Welcome to When I'm in Charge, That'll Be Different. I am business mentor and life coach, Karen Gillen, and I am so excited to share with you the conversation ahead. You are about to meet Jason Shen, and I got to meet him 10 or 11 years ago when I first started coaching. He was one of my very first clients long, long ago, and I have to say the thing that kind of kept him going then, I think keeps him going now. And that is what we talk about today, which is resilience and cultivating resilience and being the kind of person who goes for it and tries new things and doesn't hold back and lives with multiple uh, emotions at the same time. It's fun. It's a fun uh, conversation between two people who haven't talked in you know, nine or 10 years. Um, I had a really good time having him on and just catching up with where he is now. So take a listen. And if you want more about cultivating resilience, check out the show notes for how to get on his newsletter list. All right. Thanks for listening. Okay. So today you get to get in on a, I don't know, maybe a 10 year catch up conversation. <laughs> Mostly focus on what's been happening lately, but I'd like to introduce you to Jason Chen. And if you could just say a little bit about who you are and what you're here to do, I'd love to hear it in your words. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's great to be reconnecting, Karen, and um, excited to uh, explore so many different topics today. Uh, my name is Jason Chen. I am a technologist. I am a three-time startup founder, and um, my last company was acquired in 2020. And now I work at a you know major technology company as a product manager. Um, I'm really passionate about cultivating resilience in people, in organizations, and helping others play by their own rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's one of the the reasons I reached out to you in the first place was this resilience piece. I wouldn't have called it that until you told me kind of what you're working on. But one thing I remember about you is like, you were willing to try anything and do anything in service of like, will this move the human experiment forward? Will this make life better? Will this make me better? Will this make the trial better? Um, where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I. It's a it's a great opening uh, question. I think in our time working together, you know, it, it and it was a, a while ago, but I, I still think about it a lot. Um, and I think about um, so many things kind of had to come together for us to even meet. And and uh, you know, I was interested in coaching. I had been in some event that that did like a very short amount of coaching, and then I was like interviewing the coach. Like, what do you do? And then they were like, well, it's not really about me. It's about you. Why are you interested? You know, it's like, oh, maybe I want to be a coach. It's like, well, maybe you should be coached. And I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Uh, and then, you know, I went searching around and I found you. And I was like, after I talked to you, I was like, I should probably talk to several other people, right? That's like the right thing to do. And then I was like, nah, I'm just going to go <laughs> with this. Um, that's how I buy too. I'm like, I don't want to mess my time up. <laughs> you know, it, it, it all depends. It all depends on the thing. But, um, you know, and we, and, and so I think the, the question of being bold and, and sort of going for it, um, is comes from the idea that life is short. Uh, you don't have a lot of time 
you, you might as well go after the things that are interesting and um, not be too afraid of being embarrassed. Um, I try not to be too afraid of being embarrassed. And, you know, I think we, we started working together when I was uh, fairly young. I was, you know, 10 years ago. So I was like 24, 25. Um, and, you know, even now as I get older, I can see, I can feel myself slowing down. And that's something I'm trying to like resist, not even slow down, but like, uh, it's, it's important to try to continue to reinvent yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I think in, I was a gymnast, as you know, and in gymnastics, I was really willing to go out there and just try new things and, uh, you know, if I messed up and it hurt, like, you know, just don't, don't let that scare you there. I remember there's a guy on my team, his name is Kelly Lang. He was a big dude, big for a gymnast. I mean, he was probably like five eleven. but he was big <laughs> for a gymnast. And yeah, you know, I, he was a senior as a freshman. We were both doing the parallel bars. We both did this one move called the Healy where you kind of like, uh, rotate from a handstand down and you reach behind your back to catch the bar. So you hold on with one hand and then you like do a twist and then reach back and catch the bar with the other hand, but you can miss. And when you miss, you know, you jam your finger, your, you know, the bar goes up your armpit and like scrapes your side and it hurts. Mm -hmm. Um, And what he would do is he would like, if he felt like he was off, he would straddle his legs and kind of like catch himself. So he, you know, he wouldn't like totally miss the bar. Right. But I would just like go for it. Uh, And, you know, I think I caught, most of them, but I still missed. Uh, but more importantly, I didn't like sort of train myself to like balk, to like get scared and to like, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say chicken out, but you know, not do it. Right. Or like, and then you accidentally do that in a competition and that's terrible. Right. Like then you've like really cost yourself a lot, bunch of points. So, and you know, he was always scary and bossy and all these things. And at one point he finally, he said something to me, he was like, you know, Jason, call me Shen because uh, you know, that's guy culture and you call each other by your last names or whatever. Right. So Shen, you know, when you go for it like that all the time, makes me want to go for it. And I was like, wow, that's like the nicest thing you've ever said to me because <laughs> you're a pretty, you know, tough guy, probably kind of a mean guy in, in many other ways. But it, it was that reminder that uh, you don't know who's watching and you mm-hmm. don't even know who's looking up to you. It's like some guy who I'm like kind of scared of and I'm just trying to make it as a freshman. And he's out here being like, wow, you know, I get scared and that's why you straddle your legs. You're scared. Uh, and at the end of the day, that, you know, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt as much. It's so bad. It's not the end of the world, right? And, and you, if you do it, you get used to it and, and you learn to not do it. You're not miss as often. Um, so. Did you just summarize basically your entire career in one gymnastics move? <laughs> Uh, you know, um, there, there's certainly, there's certainly been a bunch of other things, but I I think that's a a key part of it is, is, is going for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would think about you as like, for me in the long list of clients I've had 10 or 11 years, like you are one to watch because no one's going to predict what you're going to do next. I don't think. Yeah, I think, um, I don't even know what I'm going to do next. Um, right. After joining this company, uh, a bunch of people have said to me, both inside and outside the company, you know, they'll look at me, they'll look at my background, they'll be like, hey, can we do a one-on-one? Can we like catch up or, you know, I want to get to know you. And I'll be like, oh, do you want to talk about the project? And they're like, no, not really. I want to talk about you, you know, mm-hmm. like, what's your deal? Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> how long do you think you're going to stay here? And I'm like, uh, rude, you know, I just joined. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
but but also um you know i think some people got that sense that uh i was gonna try to do a lot of different things and um but you know and, and to some degree i think they're they probably wish at least on some level that they could also feel as free to kind of do something different. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't want to sort of project onto them because maybe they're super happy with where they are and, and they're just like totally curious about this, like other, you know, kind of person who, you know, is different. Um, but you know, I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. Right. I, I was a biology major, uh, in college, mostly because I liked science, but I was not great at math. Uh, and biology is the like non-math science, although that's changed, right? With, you know, genetics and combinatorial, whatever, like it, it becomes a lot more math, a lot more computer science. But at the time it's still like, okay, you know, it's, it's about how good, you, but it turns out I was bad at the labs, right? Like I couldn't measure things carefully enough. And like experiments are super out of your control. I remember a mentor of mine who was a physics uh, PhD and he was like, you should get a, a degree in a hard science and like, you can get a PhD and everyone will respect you. And then, you know, in, in retrospect, I think he bullies people with his, you know, <laughs> degrees and, and professional credentials rather than, you know, uses them as a starting point for a conversation. But anyway, I was like, it, easy enough for you to say, you could write a, a bunch of equations in physics and, and get done with it in like three, three and a half, four years, like biology degree, <laughs> PhDs take seven years. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't want to be in a lab that long. Uh, I remember training someone. I was working in a lab and as a college student. So I remember that the, the postdocs were doing the same things that I was doing, which is putting mice in boxes, recording them, then watching the videotape and keeping track of how many times the mice put one foot up or the other foot up. And that's what they had to do to get the data. And then I remember training a high school student. And I'm like, there's something wrong when someone who has a PhD and someone who's in high school can do, you know, uh, let's call it 80% of the same job. That's, huh. that doesn't seem right. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't the track for you. It was not, that was not the track for me. Um, you know, medicine was an alternative. Uh, but I think, uh, and I spent a bunch of time in hospitals doing gymnastics and, you know, getting injured and having knee surgeries and the smell of the hospital, you know, it's cold. You're, everyone's wearing like sneakers and scrubs and it's just like new sick people come in every day. Like you fix them up, you send them out, new ones come in. Like, that's yeah. the that's the game. You're just going to keep fixing up sick people for the rest of your life, and that also was not appealing. You know, I, I I have friends who are doctors, and I respect the hell out of them, and you know, um, and they obviously get a lot of satisfaction out of, it. and it's very visceral, right? You go in, you spend eight hours, you know, we whether you're saving lives, whether you're you know treating a cold, you're helping people, but you know, a lot of the work that knowledge workers do that the challenges do it's like there is the broader question of like did it make a difference right and that can be scary and that's its own kind of scariness but but at the same time you're building some you can you have the opportunity to build something that's much bigger and greater and goes beyond your physical labor seems like kind of a thread in what you're talking about too and something i notice in my own life is you go you try you see the future and you don't want it Exactly like that, you go and try something else. And I think we're constantly do not everybody's constantly doing that or looking at life in that way. But I think as you know, a lot of these listeners who are coaches and entrepreneurs, they go and they try and they're committed to an idea of how their early startup kind of brain thought it would work out. I'm wondering with your work in resilience, 
What do you have to say to people who have that perfect idea that got them going, but now are in reality and need a new idea to keep them going and know that there will be 72 other ideas down the road that will then turn into whatever it's going to be? Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, you want that first idea to just take you all the way, right? That, all that the way. Feels, Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yeah. I have one idea and then I just kept doing that thing and, and then it just kept working. Yeah. Um, you know, the reality is we, we live in uh, a lot of change um, and, you know, resilience is all about uh, successfully adapting in the face of that change and, and making it work, whatever that means for you or for your situation. Uh, and I think what I've been thinking a lot about when it comes to resilience is we sort of think about basic or static resilience as like something you're, you're going along, you're doing your thing, it's kind of working, you know, all's good. Some change happens, kind of messes you up, it, it kind of throws you for a loop, you respond, and then maybe you have to repair, you know, like there's an earthquake, you, you know, you're, you're, you get out, you get to safety, and then you have to rebuild. Um, and then we kind of keep going, right? And one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is this idea of uh, what I call dynamic resilience. Um, and that adds, you know, you, you have to respond, you know, something's happening. You have to respond. How quickly can you respond, right? Uh, how intelligently can you respond? Uh, do you, can you get some early warning signs in, in that the change is coming and prepare for it? Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, repairing, right? And, and sometimes we patch it up and we just call a day, you know, it broke, we, we sort of tape it up and it, it, it kind of hangs together and we kind of move on, but we don't do that deeper work, right? If we have an argument and you say, hey, hey, sorry about that. I'm like, okay. All right. All right. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. You know, let's, let's get on. But we don't say, you know what? I realized that I was yelling because, you know, I, there's been a lot of things happening today and this week, or, you know, when we talk about this issue it reminds you of uh, when I was a kid and, and this thing, and, and there's that deeper repair, right? Mm-hmm. That goes beyond the like, sorry, I, I blew up at you. Um, and, and then there's this sort of two other elements. There's uh, what, I, what I call reflect and then rebuild, right? So when the change happens, we don't have to go back to just the way it was. We're not just trying to like get back to, to normal, right? Uh, we, Can I get you know, an amen with, right there? <laughs> there is it's no the, normal. It's the opportunity to do different. And that's actually a good thing. Yes. And, uh, you know, we talk about this pandemic and like, I can't wait to go back to normal. I can't wait to not go back there. (laughs) You know, there, you know, normal wasn't working for us. Um, and, and by the way, it's gone there. It's, it's, (laughs) it's, it's in the river, you know, it's gone. That's good. It's, it, it, you know, you, you dropped a, a feather in the river and it floated away and we're in a new part of, you know, you're in the same river, but the, the water's different. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't go back even if we wanted to. Um, and we have to go forward. And what is that new future going to look like? Are we going to participate in that or are we going to just let that happen? Um, so, so reflection is really about thinking through like, Hey, in this moment of change, as you said, like, what do we care about? Does this still matter to us? Um, you know, uh, what, what should we be learning about ourselves, about the world, given, given what's been happening? Um, and, you know, rebuilding means, is this what we still want to do or do we want to do something else? Um, you know, 
interesting example is, you know, Vice President Al Gore. He he lost the 2000 election. Um, he could have said this was BS. It was so close. It was the most narrowest loss of all time, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he could have said, this is BS. Watch me. I'm going to come back from this. I'm going to like be president after eight years of being vice president. Uh, and I barely lost to this guy. Like I'm going to come back. Um, but he took the time and, you know, I don't know him personally and, but it obviously he had these other passions. He had passions about climate and, you know, um, technology and he got involved in a a bunch of other things. And he clearly, you know, is enjoying his life. And, and it's not like some big thing that's hanging over his head. Sure. That's, that's part of who he is, but it's an opportunity to build a new legacy, uh, or recommit. Um, but, but recommit fully with a, not just because you had the inherent momentum of the past, but because you've thought about it, you've looked at all the angles and this is still the, the best, you know, uh, most aligned thing you could be doing. So what I also hear you saying is we have to choose to trust ourselves, to access the creativity, to see what comes next. Yeah. Trusting yourself is, can be hard. Uh, if, if you have been kind of suppressing your own voice, which, you know, I'm sure some folks are familiar with is this feeling of, I have to do this. Someone else told me I need to do this. And Mm -hmm. if you spend a lot of time in that world, you don't really know yourself anymore. And you sort of, uh, second guess your own voice. I think about, um, prior, you know, I've been married for just over two years now. And, um, I, right before I, I started seeing, uh, my now wife, um, I had been, I had been in a relationship that, that wasn't great. Um, and it was one that I had like fought for really hard, which obviously makes it more like confusing. And, you know, there was, there's a lot of, um, me really wanting to make it work to prove something to myself, to the other person, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, me kind of hanging out for dear life when things weren't working out. Uh, and so, and, and my friends were all like, you know, this, you, you, you know, this doesn't seem like a good relationship for you. I'm like, no, okay. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then when it finally was over, I was like, wow, it really wasn't fine. And I, uh, thought it was, and I convinced myself that it was and. I was scared. I was scared to trust myself again. I was like, okay, new plan. I'm not going to date for like many years and I'm going to focus on my business and my career. And you probably, you know, like, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to do this. This I don't have time for this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to be super successful. Then we can talk about dating again. Right. Uh, And protect, protect, (laughs) (laughs) you know, yeah. Shield myself up. No one can hurt me now. Um, And, and so, but, then there was, you know, this person was here and she was a friend and she was, you know, had been a colleague and a coworker, but now, you know, we were no longer working together formally as coworkers. So that, that door closed and, or, you know, that sort of part of it was no longer an issue. And then, uh, we were collaborating and I was really enjoying it. And, uh, you know, it took a, a, a nudge from a friend to really like open my eyes, but I was still scared. I was still scared of this idea that like, it's, it's so soon, so soon after, is this a rebound? You know, what if it, this is all over again and this is bad? And, 
Uh, and I, I, I consciously remember telling myself, I have to trust myself. I have to trust my instincts. I'm going to go for it. And this, so quickly we got to this theme. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go for it. And yeah, you know, if, if, if I, I'm going to pay attention and if it doesn't look good, I'm going to call it off and I can do that. I can pull the brakes. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to start now as, as long as all the signs look good, I'm going to keep going. And, you know, here we are, like that's, that was, you know, five, five years ago, six years ago. I need to Mm -hmm. check my, my dates, but, but who knows what day it it is. (laughs) Last year was a wash. Yeah. Nobody knows what day it is, what year it is anymore. So, but I think, I mean, what I've been thinking about lately in general is how I think as a species, we need to recognize that we can experience two emotions at once. Like I can feel fear and also trust myself. Mm. I can feel like trepidatious about the future and also excited. Like it's okay to hold more than one emotional experience of your life and one doesn't wash the other away. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the more I live, the more I feel like we're always kind of experiencing a lot of things at once, you know, Mm -hmm. life is, uh, uh, Full spectrum, yes. as as it were. If you're doing it right, right I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're doing it right, it's it, it, you know there's there's things happening on in every dimension of your life, like what's going on with your parents, what's going on with your relationship, your friends, certain friends versus other friends versus your job versus your projects, and you know each one of those has sort of like micro, you know, heroes journeys. Right mm-hmm. of like the 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 high the the low the the dark point the uh, the the victory and you have to get comfortable with being in that sort of the mess uh, all the time. Yeah. So in creating resilience and welcoming resilience and talking about resilience as often as I'm guessing that you do. How often are you talking about the experience of grief on the positive side? Mm. Like the, the loss of, you know, as we evolve as human beings and achieve goals and move into new positive relationships, that sense of loss of the former versions of ourselves. Yeah, I think, you know, that is part of, um, that is part of the journey. That is part of the process. Like I would call that, you know, a combination of repair and reflect, right? Um, I read this story about a pilot who was shot down in the Vietnam War. Um, he, uh, I forget his first name, last name. I think it was Everett Alvarez, and he was, you know, caught and and tortured, and it was a prisoner of war. And one of the things that happened was that he was at the time on track to be on the, an astronaut candidate. Right. And, you know, he was working really hard. That was like a very prestigious thing. He would have been one of the first Latin American, um, uh, fighter pilot, uh, you know, uh, astronaut candidates. Um, and you know, he, the longer he stayed, the more he was, uh, suffering from the fact that it's like, well, I guess that's not going to happen now. Um, and, you know, he had to mourn that. And he, you know, talked about shedding tears over that. Uh, we often, and, and I think identity is, is often not talked about enough in terms of 
transformational experiences, right? Um, you can't transform and be the same person, you know? Yeah. The things are different. Um, and, you know, in this case, it was, it was obviously a loss um, of, of this. And, and, you know, I think one part of resilience is remembering that, like, the big thing is often not as important as the little thing, right? Like, yes, obviously it's terrible to be, you know, uh, have your, you know, leg shackled and to, to not have a lot of food and to be away from, you know. But it's also, like, thinking about, like, oh, you know, I had that dream and I worked so hard and I bust my butt for that. And to no fault of my own, this is not going to be a thing anymore. Um, or like you, you know, get a divorce and it's like, okay, yes, you were alone. You, you know, it's costly. There's like all this, you know, public whatever. And then it's like, oh, I, you know, I don't need to buy that, you know, brand of pickles anymore because no one's around to eat that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, it's things. that some little thing, right. Uh, that, that comes up. And so we, we often discount that we forget that that's often the worst part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there kind of on the flip side of that, any daily practices that you recommend for building resilience? Um, you know, I think besides cold showers, not everybody uh, wants to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, how did you know I was going to go there? Cold showers, um, for those who, who are intrigued, are is one at least uh, small way that we can kind of accept that some things are uh, difficult and uncomfortable, but also experience the like natural path of like getting more used to it um, over time. And, and that is a sort of a, a nice little loop to, to build if you are um, so bold to, to take that path, but certainly there are others. I think, um, I recently went through a a program called search inside yourself, which, uh, was created at Google and, um, is, is about mindfulness and emotional intelligence and resilience. And there were a couple really great practices that I experienced. One, one was this, uh, three breaths, um, you know, before meeting or after a meeting before your next thing. Cause we're often in these like back to back situations, mm-hmm. um, just, uh, taking three breaths, the first, um, to, you know, just follow the breath. The second to check in with your body and how you're feeling. And the third one to ask yourself, like, what's important now? And just like taking that deep breath and saying, I want to focus on X, Y, Z as I enter, you know, from that meeting to being a parent or from, you know, uh, uh, talking to uh, someone about something really sad to being upbeat about a team, you know, happy hour or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and sort of using that as a sort of like transition zone. Um, and it, you know, it only takes like 10 seconds, but it's sort of like those, those 10 seconds are really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, another practice that I, I learned that I, I really liked was, um, self-compassion journaling and, you know, self-compassion, I think is, is something that we often see as almost indulgent, like, oh, I'm going to let myself off the hook. Um, but it's not exactly that. I think the best way I've just, I've heard it described is like the, the loving grandmother, you know, your grandmother yes. sees you, grandmother loves you, you know, 
she doesn't think you're perfect and like can't do anything wrong and you know may try to stop you if you like really are about to hurt yourself or somebody else uh but you know she wants the best for you and you know and so the the gratitude journal is to write about your problems from the perspective of you know either yourself or someone who you know deeply loves and cares for you and just sort of reflecting on your problems and you know what you put down is like, Hey, you know, I know these are tough times or you're struggling with X, Y, Z, but you know, you've done these things before you, you know, it it all sort of like the kinds of things that you need, you're, you're kind of like coaching yourself, right. In Mm -hmm. a way, but it's, it's just very, um, it, it, maybe it sounds, uh, even embarrassing as you think about doing it, but like, no one needs to know You're, you're listening to this podcast. No one can hear what you're what you're listening to right now, you can, yeah. you can find it just between us. Go do that. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> between us. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's a, it was a great practice and you know, one I, I, I turned back to. Yeah. I love that. I like that. Um, the breathing exercise, because it just reminds me that presence is resilience. Being able to be here now is a resilient behavior and how that can bring so much humanity into all of the time. We, all we have to do is make it through the next moment. <laughs> that's um, it. That's all there is. <laughs> that's all there is. And, uh, you know, I have to remember that when I think about, oh, some terrible thing that might happen in the future. And I want to, yeah. you know, protect myself from that by doing these things now. And, you know, uh, because I'm a, I, I have this background as an athlete, I think, you know, like, it's very interesting to see, like, between me and my wife, my wife is an artist and, you know, she, she was able to channel her work really, uh, like get really dialed into her work. If she has like a project or something to do, and she like, sort of like really put pulls her herself into that, pours herself into that. And it, like, you know, something amazing comes out on the other end. And, you know, I, I work hard, but I, I can't like pull it in on some like crazy deadline. It's like the most important thing in the world. Um, I would rather do a little bit of time and eventually get it done and, and, and be happy with it. Uh, but when it comes to my workouts, I'm like, you know, a madman, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's been, uh, of course with the pandemic, you're, you're like working out in your living room, like while someone's sitting on the couch, like, three feet away <laughs> Watching from you, you eating popcorn. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And you're just like, and she's like, I get stressed out. Cause it sounds like you're like dying, you know? <laughs> and but to me, that is also my resilience practice. That's not the mm-hmm. one I recommend because, you know, I don't necessarily see it as being as everyone wanting to go there. But certainly there's a, there's a crew of people who really dial into mm-hmm. that. And it is a sense of like, if you can make it through this, if you can hold on for the last 30 seconds of some sprint workout when your you know, lungs are on fire, like how bad could, how could, bad could that meeting be? How bad could you know, whatever, uh, project really be, if, if, if you can go through this and then, you know, you can end and rest and you can recover. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's, it's the recovery that we don't give ourselves, uh, and the breaths are a micro version of that, but then there's, you know, really stopping on the weekends or really stopping at the end of the day as your sort of mini, you know, from micro to mini to, you know, big scale recoveries, right? I give that to everybody as homework. Should they choose to accept it? You take a weekend off, like for real off and see what happens. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so, go ahead. Well, I want to hear about you. Um, <laughs> so I was going to ask you a question. Perfect. Um, what, you know, because we did work together uh, some time ago and, you know, I think even then you just like had, I don't want to say the, the intuition for it, but I, I think there was something already there that you, you were already uh, able to engage with. And um, how do you think your coaching practice and how you come in as a coach has changed in that period? I, I know that's a lot. You were one of my very first clients. So this is talking from the very beginning. Yeah. And I think I used to do half an hour sessions. Now I do 45 minutes. That's a big shift. Not sure. really. <laughs> um, I still prefer really fast coaching. I don't, I don't think we need a ton of time to get right at it, but that's a, also a part of the intuition. And I think 10 years of being one-on-one and now one in many groups with people I see things a lot faster or feel things a lot faster. Mm. Um, And I see patterns in human beings. And the more people who let me into their businesses and kind of how they dream about it and the things they come up against, you know, you just start to see patterns everywhere. And so it's, I think one of the things that I get to do more now than I ever got to do before is normalize what's coming up. I think it's such a, nice thing to be able to do for another human and say like, this is completely normal. This is a part of developing into this kind of an owner, like this kind of thoughtfulness here is amazing because X, Y, or Z, like it's completely normal to freak out at this point because of, (laughs) because of this. And it's actually a good sign because of this, this, and this. So I think just the perspective, there's loads more perspective. I think that is, you know, so key, right? And like why I recommend people work with coaches of all kinds, you mm-hmm. know, whether that's an executive coach, a dating coach, um, mm-hmm. you know, a life, a life coach, personal uh, coach, business coach. And because uh, you are in a, such a privileged, privileged position. And I do a, yeah. a, a, a very light amount of coaching myself now. Um, but uh, you're in such a privileged position to have a inside peek at somebody, no filters, no pretense, no social media, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you are really there and through the good stuff and the bad stuff. And, and that's a huge privilege and a huge honor, but then you get to give that, 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 that view, you know, the, the sort of, uh, confidentially sort of enclosed, view of, you know, it's, it's not about the specifics, right? It's about yeah. the, the feelings. It's about, yeah, you know, you can have your best employee walk out the door while you land your biggest sale on the same day. And that's yep. going to feel weird. That's yeah. really, really weird. You're um, going you're gonna to have your biggest launch of your life. And the next day you're going to be in the fetal position crying in your bed and you won't even know why. And it's totally normal and acceptable. Right. Yeah, and you know that's that's not something that you can get from your friend, from your parents, from you know even reading the stuff online because anything online ultimately becomes some kind of impressing somebody else, right? It's all sales. Uh, it's all sales. You have to. Yeah. Sell, you're selling to somebody. Yeah. You know, even if you're selling to like who you think you know your your parents want you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. it's somebody. 
Um, and that's okay. Right. And there's varying levels of it. And, you know, you, you try to like spend time with things that are like, you know, reasonably more, uh, authentic. Uh, but, but yeah, this is this, the whole point of the, the safe space is that it doesn't go anywhere and I'm not, you're not selling to anybody, but, uh, you can bring that wisdom more places. And it makes sense. That that's, that's sort of w- one thing you sort of are starting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is the privilege. I mean, people walk in and because now I teach sales and business stuff. This is something I'm saying all the time is like a potential client walks in, have this very specific conversation with you that most people aren't used to even having. We're not used to having sales conversations in our everyday lives. Mm. And I come in there and I tell you what my hopes and dreams are. And I am considering giving you a you know, relatively large sum of money for you to walk with me for a while to create this thing, to go after this thing. There's just no, like, I can't hold it in a high enough like place because it's this huge thing that people do that there's just so few places in life where we do that for ourselves and as coaches to get to hold space for people to even consider what's next. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I, I think your point is, interesting about um how sales is actually a very um vulnerable and intimate kind of conversation mm-hmm. um because you know whatever they're saying they want to hire you for that's not what they really want right they're hoping that this thing that you uh, you do for them will result in xyz and that xyz is going to mean that they're proud of themselves that their spouse will finally think that they're a success that their boss will give them a raise mm-hmm. you know that their kids will you know it's so funny when you hear those actors who are like yeah i did this movie so that my kids could like watch it and think i'm cool mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and it's like you know some movie star still is trying to get their kid to be proud of them right like uh, yeah. the sam from uh, uh sam wilson from you know uh, falcon and the winter soldier captain america He's the new Captain America, but he's talking about how like his kid like watched the the Disney season with him, and and at the end of the season, he's like, "So you're the new Captain America?" He's like, "Yeah." Sorry, spoilers. Uh, I guess I am. Uh, I think this was not too uh, unexpected, um, and uh, and he was like, and he kind of was silent, and he's like, "All right, that's it. That's all I got. Like I did this whole thing," and <laughs> and then he was like, two days later, he like called me from school or something and it's like oh my god i can't believe it you're you're the new captain america and i'm so proud of you he's like i'm so proud of you you know at you know but it, it was just so touching and 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 that idea of like you know uh when somebody asks uh you know are you going to do xyz you know it that's not what they're you know they're thinking about are you going to do X, Y, Z? But what they're thinking about is like, if you don't do X, Y, Z, will I get the love that I really wanted? Yeah. Um, there's always the thing under the thing. And and then when we get the thing, does it ever feel like how we thought it would? And I think good coaching gets at both of like, why is it you want that anyway? And what is it you're holding out on feeling until you have that thing? And how can we bring that in now? So that once you get there, you know how to experience life with yes. proud parents and proud kids and all that stuff. How, how do you help people savor? I mean, this is a question I'm asking myself all the time. You know, I'm, I'm going, I've been more productive in this last year than I've been uh, ever and, and w- uh, very lucky to be able to say that and, and do so. 
but it it doesn't feel the same kind of goodness that you know I would have wanted to. And, and you know, how do you how do you really enjoy it instead of just like doing more work because that's like the only <laughs> you know how to <laughs> go and do. <laughs> yeah, well, those three breaths I think will help. And reminding yourself to actually feel the feeling you want to feel on the other side. Like it's one thing, you know, a lot of people use mantras, but to actually have a mantra that you let land in your body, that you feel the, phys- like, the emotion here below your neck. Like how much time are you living below your neck, <laughs> above the neck? Yeah, we have this whole body, um, but we're like the alien in, and uh, men in black, the little tiny person <laughs> in front of the, the head. That's just like operating yeah. this like giant machine. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is being recorded, but like you can't see all my little motions. He's making hand <laughs> motions. <laughs> He's making hand motions of, you know, I'm dating myself, but yeah, great. You know, that, that, that idea that, you know, you have this whole body and, 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 you know, to go back to it, like, it doesn't have to be crazy uh, fitness stuff, but, but, you know, yoga, all these other things, like the practices that involve the body, part of it is that intent, you know, Oh, what is it? What do your toes actually feel like? Are your knees above your toes? Like, what was that? You know, you have to think about it. Like, where are my knees? <laughs> where are my toes? Uh, and, and maybe you aren't. No, uh, mostly, most of the time, thinking about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, to bring it all home to people running businesses mm. and having to be resilient and just human beings walking around on the earth because resilience is required. Do you have any final words of wisdom for, for folks? Any last thing you just don't want to not say? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the things I always come back to are like change is ever-present. So, you know, it's, it's not something that, okay, after I deal with this, then it'll be good. But because once you deal with it, you'll get to the next thing. Maybe there'll be two next things. Um, and so it's just getting comfortable with the fact that things are always going to change. Um, it's remembering that resilience is a skill that as you practice it in one area of your life, you can redeploy it in other areas of your life, right? Mm -hmm. If you are a better leader at work because you learn how to be more emotionally in tune, uh, you can bring that to your social life, to your family life. Uh, those skills are transferable. You have to pay attention. So it doesn't just automatically happen. But if mm-hmm. you pay attention and you see them all as opportunities to practice adapting, to practice evolving, uh, then you will get better at it with time. And then the last thing is, uh, and I think, you know, this, this applies, uh, I, I think of men, but I, I think this applies to everybody, is that um, there's a difference between appearing weak and being weak. And sometimes the thing that makes you feel weak is actually what get, makes you strong, right? Mm-hmm. You lift weights until you, you can't carry anything anymore and all of a sudden you're weak, but that's how you get stronger. And if you, you know, uh, uh, admit that you need help and you admit that you're struggling and you can get the help you need to actually regain and, and in, increase your capabilities. And if you don't, you can kind of just like, uh, just be in this like sort of diminished half working state, but at least no one can see that you need help. Um, right. Because if you're doing that, you're actually living in fear, the fear of looking weak. And are <laughs> either of those good? <laughs> what a terrible thing to live in fear of. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Love it. All right. So I want to ask a few rapid fire questions before we wrap up. First one is of course the name of the podcast. So tell me about a time where you had the thought when I'm in charge, that'll be different. Hmm. You know, one of the things that I've always said is that um, when I'm when I'm in charge, we'll bring people on for what they're capable of, not just what they've done in the past. And nice. that's something I tried to do with some of my businesses. And um, yeah, ever ever growing process. That's I love that. Okay, tell me what's one thing that you won't travel without when you start doing that again. Uh Let's see. The thing I wouldn't travel without, first thing that came to mind was a portable battery for recharging uh, electronic devices. Mm-hmm. But that's a pretty lame answer. I will go with um, you know, some kind of equipment for physical exertion. Okay. Sneakers. Uh, you know, the, the ability to, to be able to engage in a workout. Mm-hmm. What's the, what's a favorite restaurant experience of yours that you've had? You know, uh, I have to say I am a big fan of, um, all you can eat, um, Korean barbecue. And, uh, there are certain places where you can kind of go up and pick up, you know, things at, uh, you know, sort of like a combo buffet, hot pot grill sort of situation and i love being interactive i don't want to just sit there and have somebody come back and forth and back and forth i'm just like locked in like a movie i want to get up and move around so i like those kinds of experiences cool all right so i know you have a list where you are sending people information on resilience can you tell us how people can find you yeah so i have a newsletter called cultivating resilience um, and how it's about, uh, how to build, adapt and lead in times of change. And, uh, you can find it at jasonshen.substack.com. Um, you can also follow, follow me on Twitter at, at Jason Shen, S H E N. And, uh, you know, I kind of talk about these things and a bunch of other things as well. Cause I'm a very curious person. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I appreciate you being here and sharing your, the way you go at, life in the world. I think it's fun. And I think we all have something to learn for people who are willing to increase resilience. And I love how you talk about it as a skill, because I think we can all still develop. Thanks so much, Karen. So great to be on. Yeah, really good to see you. Thanks for being here. I want to also remind you that all of the links that I ever mentioned on the show can be found in the show notes. And if you ever want to hang out and have a little more fun, Join me at the playground, the free Facebook group for coaches.